You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now... Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to be talking about a recent piece of legislation that President Trump signed into law, and it relates to one of our slogans that we've actually used since we started doing vigils in front of Christian Zionist churches in uh, 2002, and that sign is Choose Life, Not War. And so we're going to be entitling this podcast, Trump Tosses Bone to Christian Right, But at What Cost? And what this is about, there's some legislation that was signed into law that would cut some of the funding for Planned Parenthood. And, of course, this has enraged the the liberals, and this is endearing the Christian right, if you will, because this is one of their key tenets, the belief in the sanctity of life. But as we've seen and talked about over the years, it's a rather limited view because they don't extend that view to other people. They don't think about this notion of choose life, not war, because when it comes to particularly wars in the Middle East to protect the state of Israel. And so What about the uh, unborn life that will be killed, innocent lives and so forth that have been killed, displaced? We see the refugee problem in the Middle East, particularly now from Syria, of course, from Iraq and uh, Libya, the terrible situation there and the chaos that has been created by the West intervention in all of these places. And so... We want to talk a little bit about that because we see here at We Hold These Truths a blind spot among so many evangelical Christians, particularly on this issue. They're very quick to point their fingers at others that, oh, you're not pro-life, you're for abortion and this type of thing. So, Chuck, why don't you give us a little more information about this piece of legislation that President Trump just signed into law? Okay, well, of course, we're saying that this legislation is much to do over nothing or very little because it just enters into the question of whether the individual states have a right to ban giving states money to Planned Parenthood directly or indirectly. And so the, the legislation just turns the question back over to the individual states. But what's going to happen here is that this is going to earn Trump the undying support of what we call the Christian Zionist right or the Zionist wing of Christian evangelicalism. That part of the Protestant Christian evangelicals who essentially have sided with Donald Trump and uh, in the recent poll we pointed out that he was actually put in office by this group that voted 81% in favor of him, according to the Pew Foundation polls, which are 
very carefully done and, and quite dependable polls on voting and Christianity. In our story, we wrote a bit about this, and uh, we hope that people will think about this a little bit, that the very Christian groups who put Donald Trump in office and are now cheering for him because he's signed this piece of legislation that probably won't have much direct effect, but at the same time, he is the support of these same groups for his war policy. And we're seeing his war policy developing uh, very clearly in conflicts with people like China. I think we can applaud the fact that uh, it's definitely putting more into states' rights, and uh, that's something that we've championed for a long time as opposed to the, uh, the federal government taking over things that they shouldn't be in the business of anyway. But I, I agree with you, Chuck, that it is kind of uh, like throwing a bone. It's, it's not going to change much in state laws and so forth. And, you know, Planned Parenthood has definitely been found out for what they've been doing with uh, body parts and so forth. So uh, I, as far as I know, I don't think any, any people went to jail uh, with what the, uh, Planned Parenthood was doing. So this is definitely a step in the right direction. And hopefully, you know, some of the states with more conservative will take measures against Planned Parenthood. But I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think it's really going to do much in the scheme of things. However, it does cement the, uh, the conservative base for Trump. Right, Craig. And I think we all agree that if this powerful group of voters who basically were the swing vote in putting Trump in, if they firmly came out and said, Mr. Trump, we're tired of war. It's uh, good that you signed a piece of legislation that might save some babies. But we're tired of war where we're killing people every day, and we see threats and talk of new and bigger and greater wars, even challenges of uh, the president of North Korea, who, who's obviously slightly unbalanced and loves conflict and is threatening back. So we now have a threatening match going on back and forth. We have our president and his men threatening Russia. Uh, threatening that Russia is supporting the Assad regime. And, of course, we've just had President Trump issue an executive order. It wasn't even an executive order because an executive order has to go through a procedure. It was just a command. He simply commanded the military to take off and go and bomb a Syrian airport. And there were, by the way, somewhere up to 10 uh, Syrian military and supposedly a couple of civilians as killed as well. No one is saying much about the deaths. The Syrians are trying to brush it over and, and, and hope it will blow over, I think. But at the same time that Mr. Trump is helping out the Christian right with the abortion issue, he's ordering a bombing raid on a government installation, destroying government airplanes. These are fighter airplanes on the ground that belong to the Syrian government. What would we say if someone who we thought was an ally, say Great Britain, decided that we'd done something reprehensible and they simply bombed one of our bases in somewhere in Europe and destroyed 20 of our aircraft and killed 10 of our people? What, what would be our response to our ally Great Britain if they did that? And yet no one is taking this seriously enough. Too many people are not. Now, there are pickets going on. There are revolts. There's, there are people that aren't seeing this and understanding it, but uh, not nearly enough. So 
This is the purpose that we titled our paper, Throwing a Bone to the Christian Right. But in the process, what is the cost? Well, the cost is that the Christian right is going to say, see, we can depend on Donald Trump. He's four square on the abortion issue. He's right on guns. He's right on the things that we hold dear. And I'm sure he's doing the right thing when he bombs Syria. And if we end up bombing North Korea or even Russia, well, it looks like they'll accept that too. These are the churches that we go to. These are the churches that are America's hallmark, the big mega churches that make up the evangelical Christian movement. And this is a trade-off. Donald Trump has very cleverly been able to figure out in order to keep the total support of that group at his back at all times as he goes ahead and does whatever. We have no idea where he gets his ideas, really. Does anybody know where Donald Trump gets his ideas? I don't know, from his Twitter account, I guess. But while you're talking uh, about uh, throwing bones, Chuck, I, the thought came to me here that Donald Trump really threw a bone at the liberal side of America, particularly even the Democrat Party who have been railing against him here since his election. But with his attack uh, in Syria because of this alleged incident with the sarin gas, that we've got all kinds of Democrats. And you posted a really good story that I just want to quote a couple things here. It's entitled, First Madness, Then Self-Destruction, a 25-year-old message. And uh, this is a quote from uh, that was attributed to Euripides, uh, the Greek dramatist who lived in the 5th century B.C. He was said to have said, quote, Those whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Unquote. And that really appears what's happening. And as you point out here, CNN said Trump became president when he ordered missile attacks on Syria. Bush became president when he attacked Afghanistan. Thatcher became prime minister of the United Kingdom when she sank the Belgrano. Do we see a pattern here? And I think maybe we do. And so We've got bloodthirsty Christians on the right, and then we've got war-willing people on the left and all over the map here. And so it is almost as if the whole country has gone mad, except for, you know, a small remnant who understand what's going on here, and particularly among Christians who believe what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, love your neighbor as yourself and even love your enemy. And so we've seen that being thrown out by the uh, evangelical right because they want to show that nobody's going to show up in the United States because of this continual uh, ongoing belief in American exceptionalism, no matter what we do uh, around the world. Very good. One of the words that come to mind is just cognitive dissonance. When I think of Christians who claim to serve Jesus and to honor him as Lord and Savior, and they have no question recognizing him as the Prince of Peace, but yet at the same time, they can support these wars. And I think that's, that's the message, like you said, Chuck, that we're trying, trying to get out, is that you know, if you're pro-peace, you can't be pro-war. They don't, yes. don't go together. Those, those two phrases are you know, oxymoron. It just doesn't work. And yet the Christian community has so been 
I would say, you know, dumbed down or at least numbed down to the fact that standing for peace is somehow anti-Jesus when it comes to standing against war. I don't quite understand it. I, I guess, you know, all of us have talked about as reformed Zionists at some point and that uh, we've come to an awareness that, you know, no, this is a holistic gospel. It, it's how I relate to my neighbor. It's how I relate to my community. It's how I relate to each other and as, as a nation, you know, to the world as Christians. So I don't know how we can get this message out other than what we're doing. It seems like as long as it's good for Israel, it's got to be good for Christians. And that seems to be the, uh, the predominant thought. One thing I came across the other day talking about, we've used it a lot, Genesis 12, too. I will bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee. The, uh, the promise that was given uh, to Abraham, you know, singularly from God to Abraham, and then it's been uh, extended out to a whole lineage that is dubious at best. But the point I was, I was going to make is that, to me, so much of this, what's in Christianity right now is that we've got to support Israel no matter what they do. And because the Bible says, you know, we've got to support Israel. Of course, it doesn't say that, but they think it says that. And I was thinking that that is not much different than what the pagans did to their gods. They've got to put a sacrifice. They've got to do something in obeisance to their god to get their god's favor. And just with the off chance that God is blessing Israel, you know, I don't want to get on his bad side, so I'd better do this just in case that God is with this nation because I sure don't want to come under God's wrath. So I better do this just in case, and it really doesn't affect me anyway, so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and support Israel. To me, it's, it's a pagan idea that has been brought into the church, and it's definitely not scriptural, and definitely doesn't look like Jesus. While you're well said, Craig, what I'm reminded of, what Jesus said about blindness of his followers in chapter 6 of Luke, verse 41, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, even when you yourself do not see that log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. And so, what we see, of course, is we've got so many Christians with these logs in their thinking, in their eyes, just as Craig described there with the case of Israel, that we have to support Israel or else. And Tom, as we usually do, that goes right back to the definition of Christian Zionism. It is the belief that the present-day state of Israel is somehow mysteriously a fulfillment of the Bible prophecy going back thousands of years uh, that's been collected by various people. And we say uh, Israel is another state, and the people who live there have every right to life that everyone else should enjoy. They have a right to peace. They have a right to, to uh, pursue their life. But they don't have the right to take it away from someone else based upon some so-called biblical premise that they are superior or different from others, and therefore they have a superior or prior right to life. And Craig put this so well, pro-peace is pro-life. We all know that. If we're not for peace, how can we say we're for life? We have a little motto right in the middle of our website where no one can miss it. It says pro-peace, pro-life. We are for peace and 
We're absolutely for life. We're for unborn life. We're for born life, and we're for old life, even our own. And so this is what's happening in this Trump travesty where he's getting the support of the Christian Zionists because they feel that he's uh, doing things for them, and he at the same time supports in every possible way the state of Israel, and this, of course, rings true to these people who are referred to as the evangelical right or the Christian Zionists, as we call them. Sometimes we call them the neo-Christianity because it is a new way of thinking. It's not an old traditional type of Christianity. So well, we hope everyone will go to our website and, and read the first madness and self-destruction, a 2,500-year-old message. And we byline that, whom would God destroy? So there's the crux of the question. And of course, today's issue that we've been talking about, Trump tosses a bone to Christian right, but at what cost? And uh, we've spelled out uh, pretty carefully in a few words what this issue is all about. And uh, if you'll go to our website, you'll find it there. And uh, we think that it will help you to discuss it with others. And then finally, we've posted a piece in which a, a well-known, a very prominent New York, New York Times journalist, author of a dozen books or more, very prestigious and really brilliant man named Nicholas Kristof, interviews Jimmy Carter. And Mr. Kristof, obviously confused by Christians and maybe by the Christian right, goes to President Jimmy Carter, who was proclaimed and devout and openly Christian uh, all his life. And Mr. Kristof asks Jimmy Carter, am I a Christian? And then Kristof goes on and describes the things that he believes. And he asks Jimmy Carter if he considers Kristof a Christian as though Mr. Kristoff really does want to know what Jimmy Carter thinks. Jimmy Carter answers him and says it's not up to him to judge, it's up to God to judge. It's an article that bears upon this issue of the Christian right, what Christians might believe, and what very prominent peacemaking president that we had named Jimmy Carter, who we have to think back hard to remember him and what he did. So we've included this interview there. It's thoughtful and I'd like to point out a couple of things about this interview. In it, Jimmy Carter does not get lost going back into thousands of years back in history and talking about uh, ancient people of another race at another time. He talks about only about Jesus and his relationship to Jesus and, and what he thinks Jesus expects of us. Jimmy Carter was doing what we're asked to do. He was giving his testimony to a member, a prominent member of the press. Quite, quite uh, interesting. Chuck, one of the questions I thought was interesting because we've talked about this. Uh, Christoph's question was, how can I reconcile my admiration for the message of Jesus all about inclusion with a church history that is often about exclusion? And Jimmy Carter's reply, uh, he goes to the book of Galatians. And we've talked about this where Paul in verse 16 points to the seed of Abraham not being many, but that seed is one. In other words, provided the lineage for Jesus near the end of the book. And here's what Jimmy Carter said, quote, As St. Paul said to the Galatians in 328, quote, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Jesus Christ. 
unquote. In his day, Jesus broke down walls of separation and superiority among people. Those, mostly men, who practice superiority and exclusion contradict my interpretations of the life and teachings of Jesus, which exemplified peace, love, compassion, humility, forgiveness, and sacrificial love, unquote. All right, well, we hope we've given you some food for thought here, and we'd like you to uh, remember our choose life, not war, and give peace a chance. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.